Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are so full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong it's the Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com as the offseason rolls along. I am Jeff Howe. Let me bring in the rest of the team for this latest adventure. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Doing wonderful. And third member of our team, he is our lockdown corner here on the show. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-America, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Again, I promise, when he gets that team ring back in his possession, he will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, a black card member of DBU, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Right, I wonder, does the, does the intro get old? Like, do I need to change it up? or, or No, I like the intro. Okay. It's simple to the point. I love that your intro, I don't know if I've ever brought this up on the air, but uh, I noticed one time when I Googled Rod's name, it's like your Wikipedia page, somebody just stole Jeff's intro because it says Rod no Babers, uh, a member of the Lions, and it goes through all the teams and says awesome. the Tiger Cats and then says what round you were drafted in, and it's just like that perfect cadence that I was I reading it, just, and I can just hear Jeff Howe's voice. I should take Jeff's intro and just... Uh, paste on it. I think I could do that. I think anybody <laughs> could post anything. I might, yep. I might do that. I think somebody on I'll be there. Look at it. Go if you pull up Ron's Wikipedia page. Uh, I think I might do that. A cornerback who played in the National mm-hmm. Football League. Drafted by the mm-hmm. New York Giants in the fourth round of the 2003 NFL Draft. Babers also a member of the Detroit Lions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Denver Broncos, Chicago Bears. Man, they mentioned the Austin Campbell Wranglers, Cats. though. I and got then he's now a sports radio host for the Rodcast. You can hear it from oh, this one has been to three. Updated. Like, this is literally. Updated, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty go. good. It's almost identical to what Jeff said. I'm going to go so add some stuff to that damn Wikipedia page. It's a pretty weak Wikipedia page. Whoever did Wikipedia. All Big 12. Yeah, but still. Semifinalist. Ah, that's true. It's, I mean, they got all of the bullet points, but that's, that could be some more uh, detail. Oh, on yeah. There. There could be Why do they got to put the Wranglers on there? Mm-hmm. Right, I thought we agreed. Like they put the Wranglers on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's agree. We're not gonna put the Wranglers on there. Oh, we can write. They, they put that Wranglers before the Tiger Cats. Come on, Tiger Cats are a more respected organization in football than the Wranglers. Wranglers are out of business. The funk. Yes. Come on, take the. You know what? I might take the damn Wranglers off there myself. I'm gonna go there and do some. Uh, I'm gonna do some work on my Wikipedia Challenge page them. this weekend. Un- yeah. hey, unlike Mount Vernon ISD, the Hamilton Tiger Cats knew better than higher art Bryles. They knew. They thought about it for a while. They did. They gave it. They gave it. Uh, floated it out there. Yeah, and then floated they got enough blowback and decided, yeah, not wise. Remember Southern Miss did it too. Remember Southern Miss? Yeah. Tried to make them their OC for a while, and then yeah. it didn't work out. But <laughs> Mount Vernon High School, God help those people. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Deep East Texas. We're not going to talk about Mount Vernon or our brows or anything else on this no, podcast. We don't want to bring the show down. What we want to do, since we're kind of in the, what you yeah. got, Rod? 
I'm deleting the Austin Wranglers from. He's this deleting the Wranglers. Oh, good job, man. Page. Thank you, that that crap off of there. Nothing against the Wranglers. You guys were in crap, but still. Publish changes. Well, Thank mean, you. So you're talking to a, a defunct organization, Rod. So that I know who the hell is who that's gonna be offended. Okay. Well, hopefully nobody. Ch- actually, I'm gonna reorder your teams just so it also says it exactly how Jeff says it. Can I Thank tell you, you the coolest thing about the Wranglers while they were here? The, yeah. fir- the first year they were in the Arena League, because in high school, you know, I was an offensive lineman. Man, I, I like I worshipped the ground Tony Baselli walked on. You remember he was like one of their like. Minority oh, owners, really? And, the Wranglers? Yeah, they had a, they had a nice celebrity uncle. Dion was a minority owner at like one point. Mark Burnell, I think, owned. Yeah, they had some nice celebrity ownership. Glenn Milburn, I think, mm-hmm. was in the front. Glenn office. Glenn Milburn was in the front office. Yes, he and was. I remember going like into the locker room after a game. And I think it was a loss, and I bumped into somebody. I'm like, who the? I don't know that ain't a player. Like, who the hell did I just bump into? And I turn around, and he's like, oh, sorry, man. And it was Tony Baselli, and I was like, "Wow, wow!" I'm like, "That's Tony Baselli." <laughs> Did you touch him? <laughs> well, I bumped into him on accident, so yeah, technically, I guess. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Rubbed off some of Tony Baselli's greatness. Rubbed oh, off man. on him. So my dad ran into Tim Duncan at the t- Lowe's down the road just randomly, and he at said he Lowe's? oddly noticed an old man just reached out and tried to touch Tim Duncan. <laughs> and my dad was like, Tim gave him this look like, what the hell are you doing? And just stared at him oddly. And then, like, that's my dad's only interaction with Tim Duncan. But that was, like, I don't know, two weeks wow. ago. Wow. He wanted to touch Tim Duncan. He reached out to touch him. And then Actually, Tim looked at him like, That's not that weirdo. crazy when you think about San Antonio Spurs fan. Yeah. Uh, he's considered a saint, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, Rod, one thing I wanted to talk about, since we are kind of in the the off season lull, if you will, we've hit you know June, and it's going to be a while. We got a while till Big Twelve Media Days, and there's yeah. just we go, what late July or something. Yeah, well, you know, there's be off off season workout scuttlebutt and all that. But man, we're we're gonna be thirsting for football by the time we get to media days, and then when NFL training camp starting in preseason, all that. This is true. So one thing I wanted to look at today. This is kind of one of those off season topics you kick around. Is if we had to look at, and there's different ways you define this, right? But I wanted to look at the most important players on the roster, like the most indispensable guys. Okay. And let's try to rank them. Let's see if we can come up with a one through ten list of the guys that. Throwing at ten? Or we, well, we'll, we'll just throw we'll just throw names out and then we'll we'll rank sort them from out. there. Yeah. Okay. Like, and I guess we can start out well, by they, talking like, how would you def- what criteria would you put on it? Like to me, I look at it as if this guy. Gets hurt day one of preseason and is done for the rest of the season. Doesn't play a game. Mm-hmm. How screwed is this team? Okay. Kind of thing. Yep. If you take this guy out, take this guy out of the equation, Yeah. how how how, how hurting is this team? Okay. And I think anytime you're going to start that conversation, Rod, you look at the most important position on the field, Sam Ellinger's probably going to be number one on this list, right? He's number one on everybody's list. <laughs> I mean, there's no low one fan. To okay, I tried to sugarcoat it. Yes, yeah, Sam Ellinger's number one on the he's list. He's the number Black one on question. everybody's list. We can go that we can throw out there, and we don't even have to get into a deep discussion about it because I think it's self-evident, right? If you if you don't believe that, then we, you got other issues. And I'll, I'll tell you how the, I'll tell you how the nation views Sam Ellinger. Brad Crawford, who does a freaking phenomenal job for us at twenty four seven Sports, is one of our college football writers. He ranked the ten most valuable players in the country. He only ranked, I saw that list. I think. He only ranked two guys ahead of Sam Ellinger. Uh, Tua and Trevor Lawrence. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I saw that list, I think. Yeah. Makes sense. And I agree with it, actually. Yeah. I agree with it 100%. Yeah. Because if you take him out of the equation, Texas is back to 
basically being um, what they were in the previous eight, nine years mm-hmm. <laughs> prior prior to Sam Ellinger and Tom Herman getting the, together. Is, is it this drastic, though, Rod, take into consideration the rest of the roster? If you lose Sam Ellinger, does the conversation then become, can you get to a bowl game? Uh, if you lose Sam Mellinger, yes, yes, that is the still. conversation. Yeah, can you get to a bowl game? So, you so your so your roster still isn't at the point where you can say, look, we're still talented enough that maybe you can go win eight, nine, maybe even ten games. It's yeah, still yeah, but I mean, honestly, let's, let's be truthful. There are five programs in the country that are probably can lose that starting quarterback and still just kind of keep it moving. Right, a, no, star, I, a star, a, a star starting quarterback. You know, what right. I mean? like. You know, Ohio State was at that point. Your I mean, Ohio State's done it. focused and, around your quarterback yeah, skill set. You know, Georgia recently had to do it, and Georgia was like, ah, keep it moving. Bama, keep it moving. Yeah. Oklahoma, keep it moving. There ain't many, but Texas should. The point is, Texas should be in that conversation. Texas should be one of those schools where it's like, oh, we lost our starting quarterback. Ah, we won't win a national title, but we can still compete for the Big 12. Yeah, <laughs> not know? seven and six. We can still six. win nine. Yeah, we shouldn't like go back right to now. You you're going to be a bowl eligible team, but I think we jumped yeah. from when there was a bad quarterback play. <laughs> Texas wasn't making bowls, which is the fireable yes. offense category. Good now point. it's at the point where we may have be brought up the whole roster to the point that you can survive. Not now, you aren't going to compete for a championship, but you're still going to be above or around a 500 average team if you. But lose the truth your top is, guy. Texas is not far away from that, and and the reason I say it's because yeah. if Shane Bouchelle, and this is a problem everybody deals with, but you were there with Shane Bouchelle. Yeah, right. remember if you if you if Shane Bouchelle doesn't decide to leave, and he stayed longer than I thought he would even stay, so I can't. Uh, you know, fault him for that. And I, I listen. He's the reason that Texas is not in quarterback hell. He's 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 Texas's version of John Snow. I mean, he's the savior really that helped you get out of quarterback hell. But you know, so you, so is going to SMU and play for Sunny Dykes is that the equivalent of living the, the rest Night's of your life of, <laughs> at, uh, at Castle Black? Spoiler alert! Yeah, sorry, yeah. He's, he's if you haven't watched it by now, <laughs> tough s. Uh, we didn't spoil everything. It's uh, not that bad. Um, but, yeah, so I think for Texas, they were right there. Remember, they were close. And, you know, that's what Casey Thompson, they just had a plethora of quarterbacks in and just had one transfer, Cameron Rising, and now another one's transferring. Something you can't avoid. That's what all the big boys have to deal with, the Bamas and the Clemsons and Ohio States and uh, Georgia's, Georgia's and everybody else. Jacob Eason leaving. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's, a, it's a first world problem that everybody's dealing oh, with. Oh, Justin Fields, by the um, way. But that's part of having, you know, that Justin Fields right behind, you know, a Jacob, a Jake, you know, a Jake, Jake Fromm. Fromm, and then you're going, well, you know, that guy actually is the you know, number one quarterback in the country. He might have a chance to, you know, do something special too. Like right. we don't know. We definitely know he's not going to be a quarterback that's going to get you to, you know, a five wins or six wins. He's better than that. So I think they're close. They're, they're not that far away now, from that. I brought that up because obviously I know the answer is, yeah, if Sam Ellinger is not a part of it, then your roster's still not to the point where yeah. you can think about competing. But, Rod, that just shows you, I, I think in the Big 12, more than any other conference in the country, not know quarterback's the most important position on the field, but in this league, if you don't have that guy, yeah. you don't have a snowball's chance. Yeah, you're done. Because yeah. you got to score. Outscored. Yeah. yeah, you got to score in this league. I mean, we saw it with TCU last year. Yeah, you got to score in this. It's a passing league. You got to score. 
It gets period. to a point that, like, it, I mean, you can have good defense, but if you don't have good offense, you're just going to be trying to match scores unless you have a top-level defense and you can survive a few wow. things. Otherwise, like, you literally have no shot. Oh, you the epitome of that, right? Yeah. Quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Defense continues to deteriorate and get worse and worse. Doesn't matter. They still win the Big 12. They okay, still go to the basketball playoff. Yeah. So, yeah, they are the epitome of that. Like, why Why is everybody view, even though Iowa State, you lose Hakeem Butler, you lose David Montgomery. Why is everyone still high on Iowa State? Party. Because of Brock Purdy. The future looks purdy <laughs> up there at Iowa State. No, I'm with you. I, I totally agree with you. That's why Baylor, you know, trending in the right direction. People are higher on Baylor than they would be. Why? Charlie Brewer. They got a quarterback. Hmm. You got a quarterback in this league, you got a chance. Period. That's why, you know, you and you look at a program like Oklahoma State, like I think Mike Gundy should get the benefit of the doubt just for yeah. what he's done. Yeah. But think, yeah, I agree. That's still a question mark. Like, is it going to be Drew Brown? Is it going to be Spencer Sanders? Like, we didn't know last year it was going to be Taylor Cornelius. Totally agree. And even though Oklahoma changes quarterbacks, it seems now every other year, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. No, it's <laughs> like if we get we trust Lincoln Riley as that guy, like, oh no, whoever he gets, that'll be fine. Yeah. And we'll see real quickly if say Gundy weren't there in a few years and how quickly he would go like totally just underappreciated for just automated offense every single year, having some quarterback like you saw mm-hmm. it at Tech, the few Tuberville years whenever Tech fell off real quick and then yep. quickly come back. But like you take it for granted in the Big Twelve, but you better also appreciate the unique set situations certain schools are able to get into because you can automate that offense. Yeah. So let's take Sam Ellinger. Let's just say we'll go ahead number and one across spoil the, the rest of the podcast. Sam Ellinger's number one. Yeah, it's easy. Let's just go start looking by position. When you get to running back, Keontae Ingram is clearly on this list, right? Yes. I, I would say he probably, he's probably number two. Yeah, I have him the highest of my offensive guys. Yeah, he's probably sure. number I see two. both you guys making notes already. So, okay. Yeah. So Keontae Ingram from the running back group. I would – this is going to sound crazy – I would almost put Colin Johnson above Keontae Ingram in terms of important players. Colin Johnson's number three for me. Yeah, behind Sam Ellinger and Keontae Ingram. Yep. So why would you have Ingram, Ingram ahead of Johnson? Because right? you need that running game. Your your running game for the pro spread. Uh, and I, from what I envision for the, the the pro spread this year, you're gonna need that running game to really build the foundation. Sam Ellinger, he has a unique skill set, right? Part of the Power Five, twenty five, fifteen club. Um, the running game will be the complement. You take. Uh, Keontae Ingram out of the mix, and all you have is a uh, your running game is not elite. You just have a unique running element of Sam Ellinger. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then that's gonna lead to Bam Bam Sam getting hurt. I mean, knock on some wood because it's, it's just all him. Right. That's what happened last year, right? The absorption it, it there's too it's much underappreciated of yeah. the amount of snaps. Like when you have yes. a running back that can absorb 200 snaps, you, and need you don't balance. have to worry. Like that's yeah. gonna be so valuable over the season just because of the fact that when you look and you know you have to get through a certain amount of games, we always talk about how if you want to be able to dictate the tempo so that in those situations you can have 40-plus carries, and it's one of those indicators that shows that Texas is so mm-hmm. successful like that. It, even though, you know, you look at the one body like say a Colin Johnson that can in theory can't be replaced but when you talk about the position you can get production from a vast array of wide receivers in many different ways running back is very different it's even though it's a devalued position overall if you have the one body that can endure the toughness that comes with the situation and be average to above average and then maybe actually being the five-star type guy and we've seen other parts of his skill set be able to add then that only allows, like you said, Sam to be a weapon deployed whenever 
whatever needed to deploy, but not necessarily be the battering ram that's going to absorb it all and bring more of the risk into the equation. Or if you knock out Ingram, you don't even know. Like now, what is Whittington a guy that has to be in that role Whittington and takes away from his it. other not, roles? Well, he can't do it yet. He's too young to put, exactly. put that much on him. And he's still unproven. Yep. The proven commodity you have now in the backfield is Keontae Ingram. And I agree totally with Matt. Like you have to, you can't have Sam be the focus focal point of the running game he's got to be a complimentary piece of the running game now he may be you know the most devastating unique mm. complimentary piece in the country to a running game but he can't be the focus otherwise you're gonna you're gonna wear him down over the season and then teams I think are going he's gonna overexpose himself in different ways either by teams learning how you know how you use him and learning how to stop him because mm-hmm. you use him so much and you, you're so dependent on it or because the you know wear and tear over time so Matt's totally right. You've got to be able to shoulder the load and balance the load of that running game. That's why Keontae Ingram is important because he saves Sam for the, the bowl game. You're not going to have Sam for that bowl game, and everybody if you else don't have Keontae tiered, Ingram. Everybody else yeah. is tiered down into their roles. You would have a guy yeah. like Daniel Roll have another Jordan not Whittington. out of his yeah. You know, yeah. comfort zone and maybe yeah. being able to be a, a short line or short goal, goal line, exactly, yeah. and be able to come out in spurts, and then Whittington can be a guy that can split out wide or, or can whatever. Be, and or run all, 21 personnel. It, with it those allows two, all the other pieces to be a little yeah. bit more of a ceiling piece. Because he's as close as you got to being, uh, you know, that, that – you know, that, that, that guy that can be a workhorse. He's mm-hmm. not a workhorse, but he's the closest thing you got to it, and Here. you need somebody to do it. Here's what should excite people about Keontae Ingram. If you take nothing else from what he's done, this was an interview Tom Herman did with Bucky and Aaron two days, I think, before the spring game. Mm-hmm. This was at the end of spring ball. And this was Tom Herman talking about Keontae Ingram. Quote, I don't know if there's a more improved player on our team from fall until now. There you go. We never even know if we saw a healthy version. Yeah. And most of that's Yance McKnight, I'm sure. Yeah. Just having time but to, to Matt's point, I think, too, like he had the, the hip issue early in the year and then it got aggravated later in the year and his production toward the end of the year wasn't great. But you still had, thank, thankfully, you had Trey Watson there mm. to, to shoulder the load. Yeah. But, Rod, you, you talk about what you don't have at running back minus Keontae Ingram. I mean, you got Jordan Whittington, who's a true freshman who, who knows what you're gonna get you if know? if he's got to be if he's no longer a complimentary piece and has to be, you know, a guy that's getting the lion's share of the carries. You've got Kirk Johnson, who knows what you're gonna get from Kirk Johnson. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know Kirk Johnson knows what. Yeah, he, he got hurt in the spring Johnson. game, didn't he? Not in the was it the spring game or was it the practice for? I don't remember, I don't but know. he had something. Yeah, I think he was had an issue with dealing with stingers. Yeah. I think, but Danny Young is an interesting study because I think after his freshman year. Behind that awful offensive line, he was kind of a bright spot at times. Mm-hmm. But Rod, you start looking, and I just look because he was a, I think, an underrated receiver for what he did. You look at his receiving numbers as a freshman: thirteen catches, one hundred fifty-three yards, and two touchdowns. Average basically twelve yards a catch. You look at his numbers from scrimmage, touches from this is from twenty seventeen to eighteen. Touches on offense went from ninety-four to forty-three. Total yards. From 526 to 152. Yeah. Average yards per touch, you're down over two yards, 5.6 to 3.5. And then touchdowns, four as a true freshman, none last year. Yeah. It's been relegated to basically being a fullback, short yardage player. From the month of the start of the month of October with that Oklahoma game through the rest of the year, Danny Young had 10 touches on offense. Yeah. 10. Yeah. They've, and, they, and they needed running backs. That's the thing about it. They, that's how you know they don't like them. Like, mm-hmm. they need running backs. They just need bodies. They're like, nah, we don't want that guy. 
or lost lost faith in him or whatever. They just whatever. I'm just yeah. saying they don't like him. Period. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. I mean, I I still have hope that Danny Young can give them something. I just don't know if it's going to be what maybe I'd hoped it was after his freshman year. I think that I think they're done with Danny Young. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, if they can get as much as they can out of say Ingram or their new guys <laughs> coming into the coming in, they're they're done with Young. And there's a reason you hear about you know grad transfer running backs. Yeah, they they want to move on. From him, unfortunately. But I'm sure it's not his fault. Well, I mean, that's discussion. what Trey Watson took his snaps. Trey last Watson, right. yeah, came in. Well, that well, that's well, where all that production dispersed to. Yep. But sticking on offense, and here's my argument for Colin Johnson, and I'm not discounting anything you guys said about the run game, but in the past game when you talk about needing explosive plays or on third down you need to move the sticks, like Colin Johnson's the guy that's going to bail you out because we saw him do it last year. We saw oh, him do it at times as a sophomore. Yep. I just think his, his presence on offense – other than Sam Ellinger, I think it's the biggest presence you've got on offense. I totally agree, but that's why Keontae Ingram, to me, is more important. It's because of Sam. Because I need him to help protect Sam. Mm-hmm. He's part of the thing that, you know what I mean? Like, he is my part of my insurance on and my cushion for Sam Yeah, as a, the player that he is. Because he's a 25-15 player. Yeah. He, he, part of the running game is what makes him special. So I can't have him just be the focal point there. That's why Keontae Ingram is almost, to me, more important because – I need him to help Sam's game. He's going to make Sam more effective. Right. So you're a Colin Johnson point. I agree with you about Colin Johnson. I call him Mr. 50-50. 50% of the time you target Colin Johnson, at least they did last year, 50% of the time, it, it results in a first down or a touchdown. That's it. Just throw the ball in his direction, first down, touchdown. That's 50% of the time. Dude, that, that's unbelievable yeah. numbers, by the way. It's, uh, that is like world. better than like Hakeem, Butler, theory, and all those guys. you should guys. do it every game. It, it's, every theory, play, all you day. should have like eight plays designed just to throw in his direction because he's part of what I – he's Mr. 50-50. So I'm with you. I think you can go either way because the element of Colin Johnson, he's got so much gravity, he's going to pull a safety, he's going to – the coverage is going to roll his way. So he's going to make Sam's job easier too. You know what I mean? Because – He's gonna. If he's in man-to-man coverage, well, hell, that's an easy read for Sam. That's just throw it up to Colin Johnson. If the safety shuffles over or rolls over, also easier read. So you can go both ways. I'm. I'm gonna. Me and Matt are gonna stay on the Keontae Ingram, but I would say you probably could go both ways. And the good way for Texas fans to just think about it is like the last time Texas had their quarterback also have to be the leading rusher. He got knocked out in the championship game with an injury, and that's Cole McCoy. It's hard to do it for 14 games to do it all the way till the end of the season. You can do it from spot to spot, but if you're relying on your quarterback to also be the focal point of your running game, it's a lot of risk involved once you get to the last game, which is now 15 games because you have the conference championship game, the playoff, and another one. That's three tough physical games at the end of the season. Yeah. So those three guys for sure, what order are we going to put? Well, we'll we'll talk about the order later, but we got Sam. I think think Keontae and Colin could be interchangeable. I'm with you. Sam Ellinger, number one, and then we got Keontae Ingram and Colin Johnson on there. There you go. Any other receivers or tight ends you would put in the top ten? In terms of guys, this offense can't lose or this oh, team can't lose. Oh man, I, I was. <laughs> you could think about Duvernay, but that's yeah, you'd be stretching. Yeah, and it. we're doing top ten on the entire team, right? Yeah, yeah so that's okay, why I don't yeah, know. I don't have. I think that else might be it. I just think it's spe- skill position. Offense. Well, I think it just speaks to the depth of your receiver position, though, Rod, because you can look at those guys and say, okay, yeah, if he goes down, you can have. If Devin Duvernay goes down, you've got John Burt, you've got yeah. Brandon Eagles, you know. I, you don't want Colin Johnson to go down, but we know Malcolm Epps has worked it. Yeah. Extra I think Duvernay's going to be big this year, but I don't know if I can put him in the top ten you of got, the team. We, we, we think we know what they're going to get from Jake Smith. you got Joshua Morse. I mean, 
who knows? I just think you've got enough depth at receiver, and and, and you know Jake Smith and Marcus Washington coming in, and who knows yeah. what you know Kennedy Lewis will do. I think you've got you know some depth there. Yeah, like you said, and we're not even talking about Alvante Woodard. Yeah, your question is they go down. How devastating is that loss? Right. Not that devastating. Colin Johnson is the unique one, and he's being projected as a first round pick in most of the mock way too early mock drafts. By the way, can you make a case for Cade Brewer? Uh, uh, no, just because he's an unproven commodity for the most part. You haven't weaponized him on the offense. Do I think he has that kind of potential? Hell yeah. Love Cade Brewer, man. Love how multiple he is. Love you can put him in the slide, line him up at H-back, move him into like a fullback role. He can do everything Andrew Beck did, except he, I think he can stretch the field a little bit better, and he gives you more range, bigger target. So I love Cade Brewer. I just think they haven't really... And I say that because you know, Andrew Beck was a first-team All-Big 12 selection, so I sound stupid saying this, but I don't think he's totally maximized the tight end position just yet. He hadn't really figured out how to do it with, with this version of his pro spread. Andrew Beck was sneaky good in the passing game last sneaky year. Sneaky good. Hell, the Patriots love him. You know what I mean? The, pa- <laughs> the, Patriots, the Patriots paid him a lot of money as a, a priority free agent, so if Belichick likes you, you're doing something, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so – and I, I agree with you. I think – by the end of the year, we'll see Cade Brewer hopefully be more of what the tight end position. Those are the, the two positions in this offense I'm most anxious to see, and maybe there there are guys at these positions you would put in the top ten when the season's over. What becomes of the tight end position and what becomes of that H position? Because we really haven't seen those positions the way we've seen a Tom Herman offense operate in the yeah. past, specifically at Ohio State and even at U of, U of H, H. I was going to say U of H, too. With DeMarcus Ayers in the slot. Mm-hmm. Like, we've seen them be so much more than what they've been through 27 games at Texas. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and honestly, you can argue, and this is a good argument, I think, for Tom Herman and his staff, you know, they didn't intend for Lil' Jordan Humphrey to be what he was right. in that slot. They Remember, they, they, they tried to, you know, go away from it. They're like, yeah, we're working him there. We're ch-. And then maybe they were just BSing us. We're like, yeah, we're thinking about it. He could do it, but we like him outside. And turns out he could be good outside too. But I think once they figured out, oh, this dude's a matchup freak show, okay, yeah, let's leave him right there. Okay. And now I think you should be trying to replicate that to a certain extent. Not, I mean, yes, you got Jake Smith, Jordan Whittington can play it. Man, you know, you know, you find different guys that can play that freaky role in that slot if you can too. Colin Johnson, Malcolm Epps, maybe you got like I say Brady Colin Lebron. Johnson. I love you know I love Colin Johnson the slide. I've been talking about it for two years now. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So let's go to the offensive line, man. There are some good candidates for a top ten list on the offensive line. But I got I, two on my list. Okay, I'll t- give me your two, and I'll tell you if they match up with with the one guy I'm really thinking about. Derek Hurstard is my most valuable piece on the O line. He's to me, he's number one. Okay, That's the one because he's had your list. Yes, he's your Swiss Army knife, right? So anybody goes down on your O line, whoever the projected guy is, I'm knocking onto wood because I don't want it to be anybody. But we saw this happen last year, right? We saw Zach Shackelford go down. Usually your center goes down, man. You freak out because that is devastating. And hell, my, Zach Shackford might be on somebody's list because of that. But then Elijah Rodriguez comes in, and they don't really miss a beat. And no. it turns out he may have been the most valuable offensive lineman last year because of his versatility. I love that about Herb Hand. Derek Kerstetter can play any three positions on the offensive line. Yep. That makes him your real MVP. And that's yeah. where you just manufacture your depth for your roster. And now yep. one player, instead of you having five in theory, if you back up two positions, you have seven. Yep. I, I was on in the spring. I was filling in for E. Hogan on, on the morning show on the horn. And Bucky and I were having this conversation because Bucky's with me and you, right? He loves Derek Kerstetter. And Bucky's mm-hmm. been out to practice and has gotten to see him work. Uh, as as I have on a limited basis, and I think you have you been out there. Yeah, yet? I've been seeing okay. him. Yeah, I'm not that cool. and 
Bucky made the great point. I think this kind of sums up Derek Kerstetter when you look at the whole offensive line. We don't know what becomes of Parker Braun or if Junior Angelau can mm-hmm. continue his trajectory that he was on in the spring. But Derek Kerstetter might be your most valuable lineman that's almost too valuable to start him somewhere. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Because when you okay. look at the offensive line, I mean – you know what? Right tackle, I think, is the spot where if he's going to start, I think that's where he's going to start. I think that's going to be a really good camp battle with him and Denzel Okafor. Wow, it's an interesting theory, though. Yeah, that he's too valuable to even start because that when you do get that inevitable injury on the O line, which will come. I mean, it just happens every year. Yeah, he's your guy, and you don't want it to be him. Right. <laughs> right. Like, the whole point is, I don't want if he goes down, then we're like, oh, damn now you know, what I mean, then you you lose that that you know that manufacturing. Now you've depth. got Zach Shackelford in a glass case during the week. Yeah, you know? no, that's that's not a bad theory. That's not bad at all. I'm if if you find front line guys, if you find five front line guys that you think are just as good at that position as Kerstetter is at that position, then yes. And that's, that's going to be, I theory. think, the three guys that are kind of under the microscope this summer are. Angelou, Braun, and Okafor. I think it's those three this summer. Where how yeah. the progress those three guys make and what they do in camp that'll allow you to either put Kerstetter somewhere. Because I think if if you tell me if you tell me or any Texas fan and say, okay, you're starting five offensive linemen, one of those five spots is going to be occupied by Derek Kerstetter. Nobody freaks out about that at all. No, no I'm confident. Um, but if you tell me that you found five guys who are je- basically you found another five a starting five without Kerstetter. I'm also confident that means, okay, so that means all those guys are at least as good as Kerstetter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or better. So, so we're actually, I may, I may like that scenario better if right. that's what comes out, the result that comes out of Kevin. I'm like, damn. Now deep. you know you got real depth. Now they're deep. Yeah, yeah. now they're deep. Now you got a starter as your sixth switch man. You know what right. I mean? So, yeah, Kerstetter is that guy. I, and after that, mm-hmm. my, my other old lineman behind Kerstetter, I'm going to go. Marwin Gonzalez. I'll go with Cosme. Yeah. The, I'll go with Cos- Cosme. Cosme's a guy that I would. And this is no knock on him. I would almost hesitate to maybe put him in a top ten list right now. Okay. Just because I want to see what it looks like at left tackle. The reason I go with your question though, because your question is if you lose him, how devastating is it? I think you lose him as your left tackle. True. Right now we haven't projected anybody playing left tackle. True. Mm-hmm. You lose oh, your you center. Lose okay, I got cursed that he can play center. You know yeah, what I mean? You know you got depth at guard. You know you got depth at guard. Right tackle, okay. You know it doesn't have to be well your 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 left tackle is because that is the the anchor of your O line. Right now, Cosme is projecting to be that guy. He's playing at a really, at least played at a really high level. To me, man, you lose that guy projected to be your starting left tackle, mm-hmm. and that O line might implode. Because it's the one area where La- you might not have a really good backup. Exactly. Calvin Anderson last year stepped up. Boom, he was your your left tackle. In that that's you know pro- I mean? of the of the five positions. That's probably the one you really don't want Kerstetter to play. Exactly. That's a great point. point. So That's a it, great point. It isn't anything about yeah. Cosme or the player. It's about the situation. And in that situation, you look at it, well, yes. that's the one glaring hope. If we lose one guy, we could be in trouble. Everywhere else, it looks as if you have at least somebody to back it up that's it, satisfactory. It almost worked like the Keontae Ingram uh, pick for me. Like, yep. Yeah, I know Keontae Ingram in terms of top ten. You could argue he's not number two. Yeah. But in terms um, of what he means, the role he's going to play, right. the running game, that position with Sam Ellinger, Sam Cosby on that O-line, I'm putting him in my top ten. That, that would almost, I, I would think, Rod, the scenario would probably be just kind of spitballing here. If something happened to Cosby, I would almost think maybe you go Okafor left tackle, Kerstetter right tackle. Then you're experimenting. You know yeah, what I mean? well, that's what I'm saying. Well, like, yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, I'm, I, that's why he's in. I think he's, in terms of the most valuable players, right now the top guys, 
I'm going to put him up there. I don't know if he's my number four or five. We're just throwing out old linemen. And so, I love how in sports we're always having these most valuable things because it is a really a definition type situation. And, you're talk- and we're all talking about it because, like, in the NBA, the MVP will be the guy that loses out almost always to the better guy. Exactly but it, right. always, it all depends on what's valuable. So we got five guys on offense, Ellinger, Ingram, Johnson, Kerstetter, Cosman. If y'all don't agree with the Cosmic thing, you can. I mean, y'all can throw. No, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. As long as Kirst, my my thinking going into this conversation was as long as Kerstetter's in there, I can deal with whatever else. Okay, Okay. I agree with that. So let's go to defense, Rod. Let's start on the back end and kind of work our way forward. No, this is gonna be tough, man. (laughs) This actually is gonna be tough for me. Um, obviously Stearns and Jones are both in making my list. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I think that that combo. Is the best safety combo in, in the Big 12. I think it's one of the best in the country. And because, and you know, you've talked about it too, because of how good Stearns is, or at least to start, right now he's projected to be up there with some of the greatest DBs and greatest football players in the history of Texas football. I think Brandon Jones could end up being a second-round pick or something like that too. I think the defense ultimately, when you start shuffling pieces around, trying to put your best 11 guys out there, you're going to do it starting with these guys and saying, all right, I know Stearns and Jones are solid. I know I can depend on them. How do I build around that strength? Because right. that is your – that is your not your strength. It's your superpower right there in that defense that you have a, a safety combo in a passing era that may be as good as any two in the country. Hell, if you, I know it's false. I feel like I'm disrespecting Foster because I think he should be in that thing too. I think it's going – those three will see the field more than any – maybe more than any defenders this year. If you're gonna rock, you're gonna like add up all their reps. When you look at snap counts, snap at the end count, of the year. I think it'll be yeah. those three will play more than any three in the entire. Yeah, entire especially year. like we talk about all the time. As much nickel as you play now, your yeah. sub package is your base package. Yeah, so I, I know I'm cheating. So I can't put Foster in there, but I'll just go Jones and Stearns. Okay, definitely L- let's 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 have B.J. Foster's name down because mm-hmm. I've got a feeling I. If I'm doing a top ten, I, I put him in there. He, well, you know what I'm saying? He, he will be in the in in the in the conversation for the guys who played the most reps this year. I guarantee. He's yeah. just so versatile. So I yeah, putting three DBs. I feel like I'd be biased. Honestly, I feel like y'all be like, oh, no. But here's the deal. Here, I, I thought about putting all three of them in there. But you, those are two of your better players, Stearns and Jones. And I think Foster Rod is just so dang versatile. And we saw it last year yeah. when he was at the Joker position because you know he's going to be probably what two ten, two fifteen. Yep. And in the Big Twelve at linebacker depth. And it's like you can play there at that size. No doubt. But then his ability, you know, P.J. Locke and I, when we would talk during the season, because I like talking to P.J. during availabilities, we would always talk about B.J. And the thing P.J. Locke came back and said, he said it's really hard to find a guy as young as he is who can play over the top, mm-hmm. who can cover guys on the hash, who can blitz a Philly alley. It's tough to find a young guy that can do all those things as well as he can do them. Five-tool. Five-tool guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. So okay, all right. I'm I'm adding him to my list. Then if you're gonna do that, then I gotta now I gotta knock somebody. Because if you lose yeah. him, I mean, and and if you lose him, you say B.J. Foster's out of the mix, right? Yeah. What do you do at nickel? You go Josh Thompson. Yes. Oh, I, I like Josh Anthony Thompson, Cook? but I'm not. He, he can't do what Brandon. Do Anthony Cook? He can't do what B.J. Foster can do. Right. That's what I'm saying. You go. It, this is yeah. back to the Cosme argument. Yeah. Because then you got. Yeah, you're right. Your argument for Cosme is my argument for B.J. Foster. I agree. Because then you got to take Cook from the corner. Then I got to go find me a corner I trust. In now the you're Big experimenting 12. again. Now I'm experimenting Not again. Not in the Big Twelve. In the Big Twelve, you don't want to do that. Right. And so I'm with you on that. Actually, I, I I put Foster on my list, man. I now I got to knock off. Ooh, 
That's three. Yeah, I gotta knock somebody off. Okay. Okay, Rod. So let's go to let's go to your old position. Let's go to corner. Do you have a corner on there? No, I don't. I like those two youngsters. I, I like, like Cook. Cook I, I like Jalen Green, but I won't put them up there. I think they'll be protected early on. I think. Yeah, you may even see Tartalando uh, make his defense be a little bit vulnerable early on to protect those young guys. And just until he knows they can hold up in man-to-man coverage consistently uh, when he wants to blitz. So I'm not going to put them on there right now. Right now, he's going to build those defensive coverages around the strength of the safeties and not the corners. Right. Okay, so we've got really we've got eight names on the list right now. Yeah. The five guys on offense and the three safeties. Where's that sounds, but, but let me ask you this, and I I know we're we're kind of running tight on time here, but I want to get your take on this, Rod and Matt. You can chime in because I know you're an analytics guy and a numbers guy. When you look at you know the NFL, and, and it's just boggles my mind how NFL not just not just writers, but like teams are late to come around on trends sometimes. Oh, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Starting yeah. college, game. It's unbelievable. But now you hear in the NFL about the importance. Oh, we got to value safety. That's 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 where your turnovers come from. Your safety <laughs> creates your turnovers. Yeah. Well, hell, we've been seeing it really. You go back to, like, when you look at any great Texas defense, mm-hmm. Nathan Vasher at mm-hmm. safety or Michael Griffin at safety or Errol Thomas, just yep. going down the list. Yep. Recently we've seen Elliott. it with Deshaun Elliott. Yep. We saw it with Stearns and Jones last year when they were both on the field together. Yep. Like, Todd Orlando has been ahead of the trend or has, you can argue, has set the trend of, no, our playmakers in this defense we're going to get as many safety body types as we can because within the structure of what we do, that's where our pressures, our sacks, our forced turnovers, all that stuff's going to primarily come from our safeties. And, and disguise. Yes. Mm-hmm. Your deception comes from your yes. safeties. Most of your, your, your quarterbacks are reading mostly safeties. If you look at it, it's really quick because I know we're running short on time. We've got to get back to the list. What Belichick is doing in the NFL is playing more and more safeties, what they call the big nickel and he's playing more dime, and they're playing more quarters because the NFL is becoming more like the Big 12. Ipso facto, I'm telling you, at one point they're going to figure out, okay, we're looking at the Big 12 for the future of offensive football, but somebody in that conference is playing defense. Hmm. Whether it be John Heacock at Iowa State or Todd Orlando at Texas, what are they doing really well that we can copy and replicate the NFL level in it to defend the same types of offenses yeah. that we're seeing, and the Texas safeties yeah. are exactly, and the, the Texas answer. safeties are those like safeties. that's yeah. that's the answer. Just when those you are the size NFL, strength exactly. because back in the day yeah. you used to say, oh well, no, those teams would get overpowered or they did. It's like no, these guys can hold their own in the open field. They can do whatever they want, and then they also make plays on every passing. You no, know, yeah, the NFL level, they're gonna love B.J. Foster as much as they love Caden Stearns because uh-huh. the versatility of B.J. Foster. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so let's go to linebacker. I. I Here's my thing, and I might have him probably – he might be the number one defensive player on the list if I'm doing this is Jeffrey McCulloch. And the reason why I say that is because when you do these lists during the summertime, and I did an article on this on the site recently, when you do these summertime lists, you're like, who, who's your breakout performer? Who's your guy that's facing a now-or-never season? Who's your most valuable player? McCulloch checks all those boxes. Yeah. Is, is he a candidate for a breakout player? Yeah, because we haven't seen him on the field – as much as you know, his presence suggests he probably should have, he's just been stuck behind guys like Malik Jefferson and Gary Johnson mm-hmm. and, and Anthony Wheeler. Uh, is he a now or never guy? Well, by definition, yeah, because he's a senior, and if you don't get it from him now, you're never going to get it from get him. It. Is he valuable? Yeah, because we've heard Todd Orlando say time and again, this defense funnels through those two inside linebacker positions. He's all the experience you have I know. in terms of on-field experience. Yep. So in terms of... Does he need a big year? Can he have a big year? How important is he? Jeffrey McCulloch checks 
every daggone box you can think of. It was crazy. I was trying to decide between my three guys on defense I'm deciding between was Jeffrey McCulloch right now, Keandre Coburn, and hmm. Malcolm Roach. Dude, I have Coburn and Roach. Is okay, the only way. <laughs> same thing. And, and I was going to tell you guys when we got the D-line. I was going to tell you guys when we got the D-line. Coburn was the D-line, and I was going to fight Coburn for is the one I'm going with because I love, you know, I'm big about the rock of Gibraltar and your defensive line, and we've talked about how mm-hmm. Todd Orlando loves those guys, Puna, and going back to Ed Oliver, whatever. So I'm with you. You've actually you flipped me. I was going to go with Malcolm Roach because, you know, I love me some Malcolm Roach right. and his versatility and – but he's got versatile defensive linemen. That's Taquan Graham. He's bringing in some D linemen that fit his his model. If I'm going to go with a defensive lineman, it'd be Coburn. If I'm going with anybody else, I'm with Jeff on this one. I think it's Jeffrey McCulloch. Mm-hmm. I think he's that important because you don't have another linebacker that you have any type of faith in. Yeah, You just you're, don't. You don't even have depth there. Your best option, Rod, if something happens to Jeffrey McCulloch, it might be to move DeMarvion over to the Rover. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. experiment. More safeties. Yeah. Experimentation is your best option when that's yeah. the case. That makes him more valuable to me. Yeah, I, I hate to leave out Malcolm Roach, but yeah, I'm gonna put McCulloch in there, and, and I'm going Coburn. I'm going just because the top sit, end ability of a Coburn. Is, yeah, that deep tackle, that position is so important. That's a rare human. There are very few in college football. That's like that. the point because they are rare, and he's more like a Pona yeah. than he is a Chris Nelson. Nothing against Chris Nelson, but Chris Nelson wasn't as impactful there. Right, his guy is going to rupture the offensive lines. Uh, consistently and reset the line of scrimmage. If you're going to look at the two nose, the two guys battling for that nose, nose tackle position, and compare them to the last two guys you had, Gerald Wilbon to me is more of your Chris Nelson. I don't he think is. he's going to be that have that high yep. ceiling, but he's not going to be terrible. He's going to be a steady hand for you. Keandre Coburn can be a difference maker, a disruptor, a disruptor. I mean, he'll be a guy that, that he'll demand a double team. By mid to late season, teams will be game playing to stay away from him or to block him and double team him. That's what you want. Yeah, that if position. you ever want to beat the Clemsons or Alabamas or say an LSU early in the year, you need Coburns. Like you need those Coburns. type of guy. That's All it. right, we got a few minutes left. Let's go ahead and rank them. We got our five names on offense. We got our five on defense. Our five on defense again: Stearns, Jones, Foster, McCulloch, <laughs> Coburn, Ellinger. Number one, yes, yes, we're in yes. agreement. We had different two threes. I, we have Keontae well, Ingram at two. You have Rod, Colin Johnson at two. You know what I mean? So I understand. Can we go Je- – Do is Jeffrey McCulloch important enough to put him at number two? I don't know in the – Ooh, I wouldn't. In the big Because I think offense, yes. Still. I'm going to go with the offense. It's still going to be more important. You know what I mean? You better be able to score. You Okay, you guys and, out. You guys outvote me. So yeah. we'll go Keontae Ingram two, Colin Johnson three. Yeah. I'm going to stand on the table and say Jeffrey McCulloch's got to be four. Uh, you, that. you know what? And I'll go with you on that. I'll go with you on that because you don't. At least at safety, one of those safeties go down, knock on wood. They're all there's in a Brandon Foster. I mean, that's BJ Foster. And then there's DeMarvin Overshine. You have pieces behind them. Jeffrey McCulloch goes down, knock on wood. You got nothing. You're experimenting. You're going to make up a new defense, basically. And um, then Cosme would be that type of situation to it, right tackle or left tackle. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Brandon Jones at five. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that's fine with me. Brandon okay. Jones at five. I'm, I'm down with that. Okay. Yeah. Um. How about Kerstetter at six? I, yeah, I'm either Kerstetter or Coburn. Oh, I would say Kerstetter or yeah. 
Did you say would you say Cosme? Would you would you put Cosme? Well, y'all were putting them in with the same like group of not having that position and being the one glaring hole. So and that's what we're gonna do because Kerstetter's the guy that like in his hypothetical. Okay, so you want to go Cosme? No, no, no. I'm just saying that Cosme's in that same situation that y'all are. That you don't have a replacement for him. You experiment once they're out. I don't care about the order. We got our ten out there. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Cosme at six. Okay. There you go. I'll go. Probably Caden Stearns at seven. I like that. Coburn at eight. Yep. BJ Foster's nine. Yeah. Derek Kerstetter ten. Yeah. There's your ten most I important like Longhorns for 2019. Well done, gentlemen. I like that. That was good. I gotta tell you, I like that group too. And I like your question about it. If you lose them, where are you? Yeah. That's how you determine it. Yeah. And that's how this list makes sense. All right. We uh, we'll talk about I'm sure this or something else next week. But for now, <laughs> we are out of time. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049-1019 AM twelve sixty streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. You can get Rod B on the Rodcast each and every weekday from one to three. Shameless plug. You can get this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Anywhere you get your podcast. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, classic interviews, and classic shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.